0: Thank you for joining us for the Colorado PGA's Elevation Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Champion, and I'm the section's education and membership director. Does your facility need help with buying or leasing? Have you ever been curious about owning your own private golf car? I know I have. Did you know that there are different classifications of golf cars? Well, our guest for this episode, Jason Massick, co-owner of the Massick Rocky Mountain Golf Car Company, can help answer all those questions and more. Massick Rocky Mountain Golf Cars has an almost 100-year history of being in the motor industry, selling everything from tires, scooters, turf equipment, boat motors, and even refrigerators at one time. Since the 1980s, though, Massac has sold and distributed golf cars. Servicing both commercial and private clients, Jason and his team are experts in everything golf cars. Whether you're a golf professional in search of information for your facility or an individual wishing you were headed to your neighborhood pool in style, Jason has you covered. Join us now for this episode of the Elevation Podcast. Jason, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Elevation podcast series. We're going to focus on golf cars today, you being an expert in the industry and subject of golf cars. Um, start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are.
1: Well, Excellent, Holly. Thank you very much for having me. I, uh, I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Um, how I got to where I am today... Uh, I would say that a good place to start would be uh, my mom and dad shared a very special hug back in 1978. And uh, well, that might be a little, little too close. Um, no, I, I am in the golf car business in uh, Denver, Colorado. I uh, have lived here for about 20 years now. Uh, and am the current president and CCH of Massac Rocky Mountain Distribution Inc. Uh, How we got here uh, is a a long story. Uh, The uh, family business actually started back in 1928 uh, with my grandfather and a service station uh, located in downtown Gearing, Nebraska. Uh, Shortly after that, got into the wholesale distribution of products with uh, a auto supply selling batteries and, uh, automobile tires. And, uh, did fairly well with that recognized a need, uh, for the territory and filled it. And that's a, a theme that is going to be consistent in, uh, this multi-generational, uh, family business we've got going here. So, uh, started wholesaling things in 1930 uh in 1964 i believe uh took a uh, no-name company out of uh japan that no one had ever heard of called the kawasaki and was the first dealer in the united states for uh kawasaki motorcycles and other products that they make uh rolling on uh we got Introduced into golf cars in about 1998. No, excuse me, 1988, uh, with a company called Columbia Parkar that needed a distribution uh, territory established. Uh, then a couple of years later with a Hyundai, and that was actually my first introduction into the golf car business. At the tender age of 10 years old or so, I got my first job recovering golf car seats for my father, and. Uh, we, uh, we took on the Yamaha line in 1993 and, uh, had been a branch here in Colorado for, for many, many years until we, uh, formed a subsidiary corporation in 2012 and my partner, John Halbert and I, uh, formed this in 2012 and have been rolling ever since.
0: That sounds like a really cool history. I didn't realize you guys have been going for almost 100 years.
1: Almost. A couple, six more years here, and we'll be able to celebrate a centennial.
0: That will be really exciting to have a Centennial Bash. Not a lot of family-owned businesses can say that, so that's really cool.
1: Absolutely. And we we do have the fourth generation uh, started in the business as well. My children are uh, 10 and 13 years old, and I bring them in to uh, wash golf cars for us and do some other odds and ends in the summertime, so they're already getting introduced.
0: Perfect way to get them started. They got to know how to wash them before they can sell them, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, um, what area of the country does Massic serve in terms of golf cars?
1: Well, it's it's quite a swath of the country, actually. Uh, between our three locations, uh, one in Gearing, Nebraska, one in uh, Denver, and one in Albuquerque, we... Uh, we cover for new distribution territory the states of montana wyoming colorado new mexico and el paso texas so we go border to border uh, in addition to nebraska kansas and half of missouri
0: okay so pretty good pretty good part of the midwest slash west is
1: is all yours Absolutely. We are the largest uh, distributor in terms of uh, square miles of uh, any brand, uh, and and that's a lot of windshield time out there. I've traveled most of it.
0: I bet. Yeah. So, in terms of golf cars, we kind of talked about, before the recording, um, structuring our episode to kind of answer some questions, both from the golf professional industry side and then some from the private sales personal side. If we could start with maybe some of the golf professional side, then for our listeners that are looking more for their personal use golf cars, we'll kind of talk about that closer to the the latter half. But for our PGA professionals that are, you know, maintaining in charge of the golf car process for their facilities, what services do you offer golf courses and other businesses that use a fleet like that?
1: The services that our company provides to uh, golf courses within our our territory uh, are the flexible leasing and purchases uh, for their primary fleets. We provide additional or supplemental uh, fleets to the primary fleet. If the uh, course needs a few extra cars for the season, we call those seasonal rentals. So we do provide that uh, uh, here within our territory. Uh, We provide daily rentals for uh, shotguns or special events that the courses are having. Uh, we have a full uh, parts department, a full service department and mobile service uh, that we offer to courses. We offer training on how to fix the products that we sell with our uh, service schools every year that we invite all of our customers to come and learn how to troubleshoot and how to take them apart and put them back together. Uh, And then, like you said, more on the retail side, we offer uh, retail sales, uh, customizing golf cars, making them cool, Uh, service and repair, uh, warranty administration, and all the rest of it.
0: Sounds like a full-service practice, then.
1: It sure is. It keeps us busy, especially this
0: time. (laughs) Oh, I bet, for sure. Um, So something that I learned or kind of went through one of the classes that was part of my pgm training and professional golf management programs they used to have it i don't know if they still currently do or not we took a class on golf cart fleet management and one of the big projects that i remember working on was having to kind of write a report on benefits of buying a fleet versus leasing a fleet it sounds like you do both can you kind of talk us through just you know, what you might talk a new facility through the benefits of each.
1: Sure. And, and there are benefits of both and uh, downsides of both. Uh, Some of the uh, benefits to purchasing and actually owning your, your fleet of golf cars uh, is the tremendous amount of flexibility that you have at the end of the warranty period. So if the cars are in great shape, and the club chooses to run them for another couple of years, uh, they have the flexibility to do that. If, if the cars are looking good, they're running well, uh, why not go a couple of years uh, just generating revenue on them without any uh, real expense associated with it? There will be some expense in annual services and uh, repairs from uh, time to time, but uh, overall it's uh, gravy at the end of a, uh, a term. When uh, when you own those things, uh, conversely, with owning, it's usually a pretty hefty cash outlay uh, on the onset. So uh, you've got a, a, a real big expense every four years, five years, six years, however long a course wants to uh, utilize a particular fleet of cars, um, but. Like I said, at the uh, at the end of it, if if they are in good shape, then you can keep running them with uh, with very little expense for the rest of the term. Uh, leasing provides a course with the opportunity to set a uh, typically a lower payment um, and the flexibility on when to pay for the cars and the comfort of knowing that their lease term can be structured uh, to coincide exactly with the warranty period so that the cars are never out of warranty. Uh, that's usually every four years for most brands. A lot of them uh, do uh, do five. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the benefits there would be if you want to schedule your lease term uh, and your lease payments, to coincide with when the course is generating most of its revenue. You can choose uh, a, what we call a six on, six off payment schedule. So most of the golf happens in uh, spring, summer, and fall. So your payments could be structured uh, May through October with no payments due uh, during the winter months when we're either closed down here or or play is limited. So benefits of of, uh, both of them, and it just depends on, the club and and what their uh what their ultimate goals are
0: nice yeah kind of a pros and cons list of each whatever your facility membership municipality etc and thinks is best um there's definitely different options out there um you talked about when you own a fleet, you know, if they're still in really great shape, you can keep them longer. You can make a little bit more profit off of them. Um, what are some best practices for maintaining a fleet and maintaining golf cars in general?
1: Well, a number one would be try your best to uh, stay with the schedule provided in the uh, owner's manual. So there, there are daily checks, weekly checks, monthly checks, uh, and yearly checks that need to perform be performed on the uh, fleet of golf cars. And if a course is fairly diligent about performing those checks uh, and... Uh, addressing any issues that come up at the at the time that they come up, as opposed to putting them off uh, till the end of the year when the snow is flying, uh, then the the overall health of the fleet and the overall uh, efficiency is going to be much higher. Your, the, the uh, differences between gas and electric in how we maintain them are are marked there. Uh, gas cars have uh, a lot of moving parts inside the engine compartment and and do need lubed and do need greased and uh, that is typically a once a year uh, service where uh, we change a quart of oil and we change a spark plug and an air filter and a pre-filter we grease any zerks that need greased and that's something that only needs to be done really once a year if you're taking care of the the other uh, weekly and monthly checks electrics don't have that uh necessarily that annual um uh, service component to them. They're more of an ongoing service, so they, uh, the battery watering is going to be probably one of the most important things for keeping a electric fleet operational. Uh, batteries do need to be checked, especially during these hot summer months. Uh, they need to be cleaned, they need to be charged. Uh, we put uh, distilled water in each of the cells. As the batteries age, they become more thirsty if we're uh, using a, a flooded lead acid set of batteries. So, you know, the uh, daily checks would be uh, how's the steering? This is something that uh, the cart staff can perform. Uh, does it steer the way it's supposed to steer? Uh, Does it stop uh, when it's supposed to stop? Does it run when you hit the accelerator? Uh, All really basic stuff. But if we catch any problems during those uh, uh, initial checks, then obviously that car can uh, get set aside and a a different one pulled out so that we can address anything that needs to be addressed uh, immediately. So yeah, that's uh, the tire pressure would be another one. and making sure the alignment is uh, checked regularly so we're not chewing up tires uh, while we're running over cart paths. And yeah, uh, anti-corrosion sprays uh, applied a couple of times a year to the electric fleets, distilled water, like I mentioned. Um, if, if a course does that and has a system uh, in place for performing all those tasks and then recording them, their fleet's gonna last a good long time.
0: Sounds like just normal stuff to keep something running, right? Change the oil in your car, rotate your tires every once in a while. Absolutely. Sounds good. Probably the most detailed maintenance practice I think I ever went through was I learned how to do the battery filling with distilled water and stuff when I worked at a golf course in Wyoming and went through that whole process. And they were one of the facilities that I would say had a really good system for maintaining maintaining the whole fleet. There was a checklist. There was a yearly calendar. You had to initial what you did, what numbers you did um the whole thing so it was it was really in depth and it was it paid off because the fleet always looked really good
1: so. and it it does nothing but um uh protect the golf course as well. Uh, when when you are doing the maintenance and you can prove that you're doing the maintenance, A, maintenance doesn't get skipped and uh, parts and pieces have a chance to break. Uh, But B, uh, we all know that customers out there after a a beer or two will uh, bring in a golf car that barely steers straight and say, I picked it up like this. This is the way it came. And we say, no, uh, it wasn't. In fact, uh, we just went through this car last week and uh, no damage was uh, listed. Everything checked out. Uh, All adjustments were done. Appropriately, And it, it does uh, protect the courses from uh, folks that are trying to pass off their problems onto someone else. <laughs> we'll what? That's, that never that's, happens. That's a kind way to put it, I believe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. What's So here's kind of a fun question for you. I know you guys do service and maintenance and, and repairs and things like that. What's the craziest golf car story you've ever seen?
1: Oh, my goodness. You might have to give me a minute on that one because I have seen some things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let let me, I I know it's going to involve a lake and uh, you know, I just have to give me a second. I've got two or three of them that I'll, uh, I'll ponder on here and come back to them if that's all right with you.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll close (laughs) out the episode with some fun stories on that. So uh, changing gears a little bit over to more of the private sales. So whether you're a member at a golf course and you're looking for your own private cart, if you are just someone who wants to have one to run around the neighborhood, run your kids to the pool, that kind of thing. Um, you offer private sales through Massic and what, how much like industry or, or golf professional, golf facility sales versus private sales, what do you guys do there?
1: Well, because we're dealing with such uh, larger quantities with the fleet sales, I'm going to say about 80% of our revenue is, is tied to uh, course, either purchases, leases, or rentals. And about 20% of it's going to be uh, retail and other.
0: Okay, um, are there other, just out of my own pure curiosity, are there other industries that order fleets of cars?
1: Uh, there are, uh, apartment complexes, uh, have a fleet of, of golf cars, usually car dealerships, um, airlines. Uh, there's lots of business out at DIA, uh, for all the companies that need to transport their wares around the, uh, the tunnels and terminals. Um, anything from horse park facilities to, um, uh, Kids sporting uh, clubs. I just it it, everywhere. I and I've always said, you know, everybody needs a golf car in their life somewhere. They just might not recognize it yet, but I I truly believe it.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. I I've always kind of wondered that, but it's it's something that you know I'm I we are so ingrained in the golf industry. I was just curious who else out there would use a fleet of golf cars
1: yeah so lots lots of different uh, lots of different businesses do we have uh, quite a few b2b sales uh, on a yearly basis um, the uh, customer that you've mentioned that has a uh, a house on a facility that will allow private cars and just wants their own buggy to uh, buzz around their 18 holes in uh, is is certainly a demographic that we cater to Uh, the uh, folks that use them for recreation uh, shooting clubs uh, is a good example those are quite popular uh, racers that uh, buzz around to the different racetracks usually have a pit vehicle of sorts and Certainly, we there's there's a lot of uses for these things off of uh, greens and fairways. So uh, they should never be on greens. Let me
0: retract that. <laughs> the fairways. <laughs> Good catch. Good catch. Well, that's cool. That's that's opened my horizons a little bit to the the need of golf cars. So that's cool. Um, yeah. so so for those that are looking at private sales they want their own golf cart you know park it in their garage park it in their driveway what are some things to consider if i'm looking into buying a personal cart
1: well um there's there's a uh, there's a few things you should be looking at when you're when you're contemplating uh buying a car because we get we get uh plenty of customers that come in that are gung ho and love the concept of running around the neighborhood in a uh golf car running to the uh the pool in their community that kind of thing um, and it, hopefully before the sale they check and see if it's possible to have them in their community Uh, we have had some folks buy them and then find out oh it's illegal to drive these where we live so uh, those that's a that's a very unfortunate mistake and uh, could could be uh, circumvented with a little bit of research beforehand so so the biggest biggest thing I would say is what are you going to be using it using it for and uh, is it legal where you are there's different classifications of uh, golf cars here in Colorado from a uh, golf car, which is a vehicle that travels uh, up to 15 miles an hour, a, a PTV or personal transportation vehicle that has uh, more safety equipment required from the factories uh, that Uh, fills that 15 to 20-ish miles an hour range. Uh, And then LSVs, or low-speed vehicles, which are anything that can travel uh, from 20 to 25 miles an hour, uh, and a whole lot more safety equipment associated with those. Uh, You you need seat belts for a LSV, but you do not for a PTV or a golf car. You need DOT approved glass, turn signals, brake lights, uh, a a whole list of uh, safety equipment that's going to come with driving these on public streets uh, that are marked 35 miles an hour and less and are actually registered uh, with the DMV here in Colorado. They will have a 17 digit VIN as opposed to a serial number.
0: Wow I did not know yeah. that there were multiple classifications that's cool
1: yeah, so so that's one thing you need to to uh, look at when you're thinking about buying a golf car is what is the primary use uh, going to be uh, another is the cost aspect of it uh, what is uh, a car that's going to be within the range that someone can be uh, comfortable making the payments uh, they choose to finance the thing or uh, you know they're we, we can get golf cars out there that have fairly high price tags that folks write checks for. And we want to make sure we get them into something that a fills their needs, B gives them uh, the bells and whistles that they're looking for in a, in a cool toy uh, and see that it, it all lines up with the pocketbook. Uh, a person will have to determine whether or not they have uh, an appropriate place to store it either at the club. If the club offers that, uh, that ability or uh, in a dedicated spot in a garage, especially with an electric vehicle because chargers don't like being out in the wind and the rain and snow and hail and everything else we can throw at them here in Colorado. So uh, if you've got a place to store it and charge it, uh, that's a a determining factor for for some people. it's important to know that you can get, uh, parts and service, uh, after the sales complete. There are a whole lot of brands out there that we have not heard of before, uh, that are filling a very specific sector in the market. Uh, namely the LSV or the neighborhood cruiser, if you will. And, uh, just looking through one of our golf car publications recently, I think there's probably 14 different brands listed in there. Uh, so real easy to buy them, real easy to acquire them, a uh, little harder to get the parts and the service after the sale is complete to make sure that that thing's going to be running uh, for years and years to come. So that's that's something that folks should do their research on and, and find out which brand uh, is going to work the best for them.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I would say something that i kind of i got on the highway the other day and was behind somebody pulling a private cart you could tell it had rims and it was lifted and it was really cool um but it's like okay once i get this delivered to my house i get it set up everything's great six months a year two years three years down the road are you going to be able to take it back to get it serviced or are they going to come to you right not a lot of people when they buy a golf cart also have the trailer and the vehicle to pull it with and the toe straps and the license to go with it, you know, the whole thing. Yep. So it's like, it's really cool. Once you get it there, what happens if you need help with it?
1: <laughs> yep. And thankfully we've got answers for, for those folks. Uh, we do offer pickup and delivery, uh, anywhere in the, in the territory. We, we, uh, have relationships with a dealer network because obviously having a, a territory that is as big as what uh, what we cover, uh, we do have a, a network of dealers, uh, sub-dealers that work with us. Uh, we supply them wholesale product when we get the cars back off of a lease or, or traded in from a purchase. Um, they help with the warranty administration and uh, service in select parts of the state. We'll look at which, uh, which part of the state does not have representation. We'll try to uh, fill it with a dealer that wants to be in the golf cart game uh, for one, and for two, they have to have the ability to service what they sell. So there, that service aspect is just is so important, and uh, parts and the knowledge and uh, everything else, just I can't, can't stress that enough
0: absolutely um so you you talked about it a couple of times on you know pick a car that fits your budget and make sure that you've got the space for it and things like that what what's the average cost of a private car
1: well, that's changed uh, over the last year or two uh, in our industry, just like it has uh, across the board in the United States right now. Uh, so, the the average cost, if I'm going to use uh, broad stroke numbers, I would say a new one uh, is in the ten thousand dollar range uh obviously we can go a lot higher uh, than that with the bells and the whistles that uh some people choose to add to their cars uh a mid-range golf car that's a few years old uh, is gonna hit that 65 to 7500 uh dollar range and then um uh, they'll go all the way back to uh it, there used to be a $500 car, I think, with inflation, and it's now about a $1,000 golf car, but uh, <laughs> they, they are, are still on the road after a lot of years. I think earlier this year, we sold a 1986 G1 golf car. So, uh, like I said, it's important wow. to service them, and if you do, they will last a long time.
0: So, yeah. So,
1: So there are starter golf cars uh, anywhere from, uh, we'll call it a couple thousand bucks to uh, 10 grand for a new one in round numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, some of the bells and whistles start to add up, just like if I'm buying an actual motor vehicle. They uh, they'll start to tack onto the price tag for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and and some of the options and accessories that are coming out now are uh, are fantastic. I mean, we we add uh, Bluetooth stereo systems to more retail cars than we don't now, and and what used to be uh, a unnecessary uh, accessory in a USB charging port uh, is now a must have and then does come standard uh, from the factory most times. Um, we did one in New Mexico, uh, here just a week or two ago that is getting a full cab and, uh, air conditioner in it. And that, although it's a $20,000 golf car when it's all said and done is really cool.
0: <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> air con- you And you said it's going to Arizona? Uh, to New Mexico. Yep. New Mexico. A, well, customer. I guess that That's makes that, sense. Right? It gets hot when it's 120 in the summer and they still want to play golf, man. Absolutely, just fire up the golf car. That's cool. What, uh, so I'm more focusing on electric cars at this point. Um, you kind of talked about the charger not being very weatherproof, having someplace indoors to store it. Do you have to have like a dedicated outlet circuitry? I know if you buy an electric car like a motor vehicle car you have to have a dedicated outlet and all of these other things is that the same for golf cars or no
1: it's it's not it's it's a good idea if you've got a a dedicated circuit Uh, and a lot of the homes that are built in golf course communities have that that third car garage that's really pretty small and that is for a golf car Uh, those usually will have a dedicated uh, charger uh, and breaker Uh, the, uh, the, they don't need it though. If if you've got uh, just a normal garage, uh, twenty amp, one ten uh, outlet, then you're you're good to go. It it doesn't have to have its own uh, specific dedicated uh, outlet.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So no no special trips for an electrician. No crazy upgrades that you have to make to your system to do that. Nope.
1: I, I do know that with the electric vehicle uh, market, like you said, there you need, I think, a 220 uh, installed. And a lot of times that can get really spendy if you're planning on putting an electric vehicle in there. But with golf cars, uh, you just need an outlet that doesn't have something plugged into it already.
0: Cool. That sounds a little easier then. Yeah, we, we know some people that uh, have built built houses within the last five, six, seven years, and that's now an option for electric vehicles is if you think you're going to have one in the future, put in the dedicated outlet and it is its dedicated own. I think it's a 220 or something like that. That's a a bigger, bigger breaker and it's in and of itself. It's just completely independent. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not needed for a golf car, but um, I don't know. Electric cars are coming right along with sales in the U.S. So, if you have the uh, opportunity to uh, add it when you're building, I'd, I'd I'd probably throw down
0: for that. Yeah, I think so. So you've answered a lot of my questions today, and I really appreciate it. Um, If someone was interested in learning more or wanting to look at some golf cars, buy some golf cars for themselves, things like that, how do they find you?
1: Well, in Colorado, you would drive down i and look to the north uh, between Vasquez and Quebec. Uh, Our address is 5345 Newport Street uh, in Commerce City, 80022. Uh, That's our Colorado uh, showroom. Our website is uh, coloradogolfcars.com. And that'll give folks a a decent idea of what we have. We uh, can't keep up. Upon the website with the amount of inventory that we actually have outside. So, uh, if you've uh, got a little time to kill, we have uh, sales staff that would be happy to show you around and answer any questions. Uh, a lot like the questions you've asked today, because people uh, people have them, and I think all of us around here, at least most of us around here, have put in our our ten thousand hours.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, go see the experts at Mass at Golf Cars. Um, do you want to circle back around to the crazy golf car stories? Some of the
1: more interesting ones uh, that didn't necessarily involve a lake, but involved a, a group of golf cars were at a, a particular country music festival they, they rented a number of golf cars from us uh, and apparently uh, when we uh leave those things out and about at the end of the night after a full day of concert going uh, and we leave the keys in them then a couple of cowboys can get on and uh we've snapped uh six passenger you know the the stretched golf cars uh almost in half there was just a little bit of metal still connecting them but how anybody survived that uh and the remarkably low amount of blood that we found on the vehicle when we (laughs) picked it up is uh uh, a testament to uh don't leave your keys in your in your golf car at a country music festival
0: (laughs) wow were they they trying to like do their own x games or something
1: we were trying to set some land speed jump records. I think uh, in a uh, uh, not not exactly the safest driving conditions on the on the roads. It was lots lots of rain, and I I can't help but say I bet it was fun. But uh <laughs> uh
0: Do not recommend. <laughs> do
1: not do not recommend because uh like I said, I we, we are in the parts and service business as well, so we did have to fix that and uh, someone got a bill, which is uh, uh quite hefty when we go to those I was months. gonna say
0: practically a brand new car at that point. If you had to fix <laughs> yep. the frame and- pretty pretty oh, much my. pretty Phew. much <laughs> Well, that does sound exciting, but we do not recommend that. And uh, don't try this at home, folks. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Jason, it's always been a privilege to have you at our PGA membership meetings. Um, You always used to open with a joke. And I think it would be only appropriate if you closed out our episode here today with one of your absolutely world famous jokes.
1: (laughs) Well, um, Holly, I actually have one. Uh, my my oldest is now uh, 13, and although he didn't tell me, uh, me the joke for uh, this particular podcast, it, it was notable enough, I thought smart enough, uh, here a week or two ago that I wrote it down. <laughs> and he said, you know, Dad, uh, this inflation is really, really just getting out of hand but, uh, but that's just my five cents. So <laughs> I know a real groaner, and they always are, and they will continue to
0: be. <laughs> They're perfect. But. I always related them to like Laffy Taffy rapper jokes. They yeah, were always basically. just so good. Basically. <laughs> good stuff. That's just my five cents. Oh my goodness. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Elevation podcast. Um, Again, if you're listening and you're curious about owning your own golf cart or have questions about fleet services or purchasing leasing for your own facility, um, feel free to reach out to Jason and they'll get you covered.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me today, Ollie. I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thank you so much.